Welcome. You're listening to the Gideon Warrior Radio Network. Look for us on TalkShoe.com. Type in keyword Gideon Warrior Network. And you can find us and other Israelite speakers at ChristianAmericanMinistries.com and AngloIsraelTruth.com. Please remember, your free will gifts and offerings help us to continue laboring in the vineyard. Please consider visiting our support page. We thank you for visiting our network and sites. It is our prayer you'll be edified by them. Here's the message, and thanks for listening. This is part 7 in the series, What's Wrong with America? I've subtitled it, Our King's 12-Step Program of Righteousness for Service in the Royal Host. In part 1, we uncovered God's divine laws and how those laws were in existence long before Mount Sinai. We reviewed how God's people were formed into a kingdom people. We discovered Jesus had not done away with those laws. We confirmed what Scripture reveals that sin is the transgression of the law. We established Christ scorned those who practiced lawlessness. The law is not for the righteous, we learned, but rather for the unrighteous. We discovered the individual conduct is governed by the commandments. National administration and conduct is governed by the statutes, and determinations or findings of the conduct of the individual and nation are governed by the judgments. We revealed how God's children in America are being taught to believe man's experimentation into man's laws as somehow perfecting God's natural laws. We confirmed the doublethink in America and Christian teaching that because of grace God's people have become free from God's law. This, however, would imply there is no longer sin, as sin is the transgression of the law. We confirm the law Paul spoke of in Galatians was not that which had been written on his heart, but the ordinances which were 430 years after Abraham. This distinction made by Paul in Galatians did not undo God's laws the Holy Spirit had written on the hearts of his people, including Paul's. Rather, though, it seems clear his people, his chosen, became freed from the law's ordinance, forbidding their remarriage after their divorce by God. God in the flesh, as his only begotten Son, laid down his life, shedding his blood to redeem them to himself again, in keeping the promise made to Abraham 430 years before the ordinance. This distinction made by Paul is an integral part of the gospel message. It establishes an adjudicative principle, a precedent, if you will, for the historical evidence and existence of God's divine laws from the foundation of the earth. These laws have been and continue to be in full force and effect and completely binding upon his people. We confirmed it by the witness of Jesus Christ at Matthew 17.20. We then established through Luke 1, 32-33, the kingdom over which Jesus is reigning is the house of Jacob. In part 2, we reviewed in summation the over 600 verses of Deuteronomy concerning laws and statutes addressing literally every conceivable aspect for God's children to choose life. We spent time addressing the dietary laws we discussed God's command to Noah at Genesis 8.20 regarding bringing the clean and unclean into the ark before Sinai. We visited God's complaint to Isaiah about his people's consumption of swine's flesh and broth of abominable things. We took on each of the, quote, proof texts and determined that they are not proof texts at all, but perversions of the word in justification for transgressing the law or sin.
We discover the nation of America in sin and God's recompense upon them as he promised to bring all the diseases of Egypt as before time upon them. In part three, we learned of God's legislative intent embodied in the Ten Commandments and the principles of them as illustrated by Christ in the greatest commandment and the next greatest like unto it. We learned how the Ten Commandments are embodied in those two principles, and we undertook to dissect each one in their proper application and the purpose for each one's adherence for choosing life. In Part 4, we discovered the basics of God's divine economic laws in relation to just weights and measures, an established currency value, no diverse value, a great and a small, lending it no usury, labor and proprietor relations, levy or tribute, personal property rights, inheritance of the land and the continued right to it, as well as a brief review of the use of the natural or raw resources of the land of America he gave to his people, this land flowing with milk and honey. In Part 5, we challenged the authority of the Constitution for the United States of America as we embarked on a journey to understand God's divine laws of administration, we uncovered the pivotal command and accountability trigger of Genesis 9-6 that set in motion the authorization of man to administer the divine laws of God and to adjudicate the judgments promulgated in God's legislative enactments, God's laws. In part 6, we endeavored to disclose God's laws of adjudication. We revealed the adjudicative structure established at Deuteronomy 1.15, the qualifications for service to man in a judiciary review capacity, the binding judgment being God's at verse 17. And we reviewed judicial procedures from Deuteronomy 17. We reviewed the adjudicative precedents in the five main punishments of 1. Restitution, 2. Refuge, 3. Whipping, 4. Servitude, and 5. The Death Penalty we became keenly aware of the individual responsibility to God and neighbor through this review of God's adjudicative precedents revealed throughout the books of Moses. We summarized the adjudicative precedents application by confirmation of Jesus by this question, Is there any distinction in difference to be drawn? From the works of, words of Deuteronomy 27:26, and I quote, Cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them. End quote. And those words of Jesus at Matthew five eighteen to nineteen, and I quote Whosoever shall break one of the least commandments, and shall teach men so, he shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. End quote. As we begin part seven, let's reflect on that angelic message delivered to Mary recorded at Luke 1, 31-33. You see, this kingdom people and the house of Jacob are the same people, and this kingdom was to have no end. God's kingdom people, we reviewed earlier, were sent out of his sight. They were sent into the captivity. Later, as Jeremiah 3, 8 teaches, they were divorced by God. But he would later regather them and remember their sin no more. Malachi 3.1 tells us the Lord, the kingdom people would seek, should suddenly come even the messenger of the covenant. A new covenant described by Jeremiah at 31.31-34, Jesus Christ is that messenger. In the fifth book of Matthew, he details primarily to his disciples, but also the multitudes, 
a king's instruction to those officers entrusted with administration in his absence. It is a manifest detailing conduct of the kingdom citizen. And in this part 7 we are going to glean 12 specific instructions or principles in righteousness for individual conduct for a seat in the heavenly royal host. We'll begin at Matthew 5:17 to 20. When Christ our King has given us a clear instruction, whosoever therefore shall break one of the least of these commandments, and shall teach men so, he shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So in equipping the saints, we shall teach men the law, the first instruction to the members of the royal host of the kingdom of Jacob. And this, by the way, is why it matters. When you are asked by those to whom you give the king's instruction to, the question, why does it matter what God's people or who his chosen are? You simply respond, you know, not knowing the kingdom over whom your king gives you instruction to reign is like a captain having no ship to command. He's not much of a captain, is he? The time has arrived for this kingdom people in America once again to acknowledge the sovereignty of this king, their king, to fulfill the oath spoken by their forefathers to perform as they have a national awakening to their biblical identity. Isaiah 58 was a call to those who knew the law to reveal to his people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sin. And remember, sin is the transgression of the law. This leads us again to the primary purpose of the law, and that being to preserve the individual free agency responsibility to the commands of God in service and obedience to his kingdom. The wicked one aims to subvert this obedience, teaching the doctrines of men. Jesus, the kingdom king, warned us the children of the kingdom cannot serve two masters. God's first order of business with this kingdom people was to give the commandments relative to the individual responsibility to God. All administrative actions by men serving in the royal host administrative capacity is for the purpose of protecting the individual's capacity to serve God, so they too may one day serve in the king's royal host. Therefore, your first command in the king's instruction for the royal host is to know and teach the law. You are to be gentle in spirit. You are to mourn for the poverty, poor, and wretched condition of those who are taken in to the schemes of the wicked and caused to sin. You are to hunger and thirst after righteousness. You are to be peaceful, pure, and merciful. You are to rejoice and be glad when persecuted and reviled for the king's sake. You are to be salt, which is defined as a pervading substance. You are to be light, and to so shine forth before men that they may see your good works. Oh, and there's that word that the evangelical church world spits upon. After all, you are not saved by works. This, of course, is understood, but not in the way that modern theology is teaching it. Kingdom citizenship, according to the king of the royal host at Matthew 5.20, has rewards for those works of righteousness. So here now we are going to embark on command number two at verse 20, and I quote, Except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no way enter the kingdom of heaven. That's right. Your entry into the kingdom's royal host of heaven has something to do with righteousness, 
You know, that word is number 1343, and it means equity of character or act. Webster's 1828 defines the word as purity of heart and rectitude of life, conformity of heart and life to the divine law. Oh, there it is again, the divine law and act. Hmm, I guess we're going to have to do something. There it is. The series of messages on what's wrong with America certainly may be more appropriately entitled Divine Law. But I'm trying to get this title thing down. I questioned whether anyone would be interested in a message entitled Divine Law. But I reason, surely there are some who are eager to find out what's wrong with America. Now after this second instruction in kingdom citizenship of the royal host, the king expounded on a few of the principles of individual requirements in righteous keeping of the divine laws we reviewed. Those principles application to the individual in your relationship with God. The king's instruction unveils the extent of the principle by way of illustration, such as anger without cause, our king of the royal host illustrates unjust anger will set you up for judgment, none of which are very desirable. Verses 21-22 He therefore illustrates the righteous act. Reconcile thyself to thy brother before coming to the king's court for your reward. Matthew 5:25-26. And the same thing with an adversary. Come to terms, lest he brings you before the righteous judge whose only righteous judgment shall be rendered. Remember, we're talking about kingdom citizenship where righteous judgment and righteous judges pre are in administration. This king's establishing his reign over the new covenant kingdom is teaching you the righteousness that is to exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. So if an eye keeps you from righteousness, pluck it out. Verses 27 to 32. After expounding on those personal principles, he gives a third command of instruction for his royal host. Do not cause your wife to commit adultery by putting her away for any cause but fornication. Verses 33 to 37. And your fourth instruction is not to forswear or take an oath. Let's face it, they're hard to keep, and as a result, it likely becomes an evil unto you. So just let your yes be yes and your no be no. That old kiss principle, keep it simple, saints. Then at verses 38 to 48, in the fifth command in instruction for the royal host does not do away with the administrative execution of the law. The mandatory judgment of eye for eye, tooth for tooth principle continues in that national administration. Therefore, in your individual capacities, be merciful when wronged and be not desirous of retaliatory anger. Therefore, it is a command of mercy. And that's what the principle of turning the other cheek, and if sued, give thy cloak also, is all about. Should you not resist the evil of such adversities, you can become inclined to exact vengeance, to right the wrong which may only serve to compound your circumstances into an undesired act of unrighteousness. Additionally, enemies of the kingdom are still that. Verse 43 is in reference to your individual responsibility in the love of your neighbor, your brethren. If one of your brethren despitefully uses you, persecutes, or hates you, pray for them that you may be perfect before the king. Now Matthew 6, 1-8 
is where we will find our sixth command and instruction to his royal host. And that is that you pray and give alms in private. Do not do so as to be seen of men. Since the king knows the needs of his kingdom's citizen, you should pray for and honor the king's royal kingdom, securing a blessing that through you his will is done in your earthly capacity as it is in his heavenly royal host. Ask for your daily sustenance, receiving so in thanksgiving by seeking forgiveness of any errant trespasses and those of your neighbor. Ask that evil or wicked ones not lead you into temptation and acknowledge his royal kingdom power, glory, forever. This command of the king to his royal host is what is referred to as the Lord's Prayer. Anoint thyself in your fasting and prayer. Keep yourself clean and well kept in acknowledgement of your heavenly treasures. If you seek to serve the earthly approvals of men, you will come to hate and despise your king. This is your king's instruction. Number seven, you cannot serve your king and man, for man is servant to whom he obeys. Verses 25 to 34 are not an instruction in popery as some errantly believe. It is, however, your king's instruction number eight. He knows your needs. Recognizing this single truth will lead you to service in the royal host. Do not cast these earthly concerns at the feet of men, as ungodly man will promise you that he can add unto you all your needs. However, you will be in service to man. Seek you therefore first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Your faith in his kingdom's glory is sufficient unto the day. Chapter 7 verses 1 to 5. You'll find your king's command and instruction to the royal host includes putting one's own house in order. If not, it will be easy for you to see the mote in your brother's eye. Your judgment upon your brother shall be visited upon you as well. Setting your house first sets you before the king with clean hands and will clear your eyes so as to see better how to assist your brother into righteousness before the king of the royal host. And this is your kingdom instruction number nine. You are to freely ask. Asking sets in motion the gift to be received and in your search you shall find. For righteousness is not found in the man who denies the needs and requests of his brethren or son. This kingly command in instruction number 10 to his royal host is your king's assurance plan. In that assurance he instructs you not to take what he has given and made holy and give it to dogs. Neither should you cast these pearls of gifts before swine. In Matthew 7 verse 12, You'll find your king's eleventh instruction in righteousness to his royal host. You begin to see the sum of all things righteous. Therefore, all things that you want men to see you as, be all those things to your brethren. He commands that this is the law and the prophets. Therefore, you must be in obedience to that law and learn the instruction and warnings of the prophets. This is the way of kingdom righteousness, a guaranteed seat upon the king's royal host. It is an entry of the straight gate, the narrow way that leads unto life. Here is where you find that truth, because wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, which many will be partakers of.
Now we've reached our King's 12th command in instruction at Matthew 7, verses 15 to 27. The first part of this instruction is a sincere and distinct warning to beware of false prophets. He advises, they come in sheep's clothing, inwardly they are ravening wolves, but you shall know them by their fruits. He equates their deeds to a tree bearing bad fruit. A good tree, he instructs, cannot bear evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree not bearing good fruit is worthy of the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Not everyone will have a seat at this king's royal host. Some, having even prophesied in his name, will be told he never knew them. The king's kingdom is only open to those who do the will of the king's father, which is in heaven. Those who practice lawlessness and work iniquity will be instructed to depart from the king's royal host. Your twelfth command in instruction of this king, who is to reign over the house of Jacob forever, finalizes his decree in emphatically instructing that whosoever hears these words of his and is obedient to them will be as a wise man who builds his house upon the rock, meaning a secure and stable foundation. And those who hear these words and is disobedient to them shall be as a foolish man who built his house upon the sand, meaning an unsecure and shiftless foundation. Your eternal destiny in the royal host is yours for the keeping, or you can cast it before the dogs and the swine. You have reviewed a 12-step program for righteousness. It is the king's instruction not to be taken lightly. Your king brings to the frontlets of your mind that the mere thought of transgressing the law is violative of that law laid upon your heart. The citizen of the royal host shall find conviction of the heart. Upon such thoughts, one must repent, lest he be found attempting to deceive the Holy Spirit. The citizen of the king's royal host who is granted and assumes proper position and authority in that kingdom in righteous judgment shall know the hearts of those that come before them in judgment. This prophetic exhortation of Isaiah at Isaiah 2 verse 5 is your reminder of a long-standing invitation, and I quote, Come ye, O house of Jacob, and let us walk in the light of the Lord, end quote. Children of God in America, instead of asking God to let Jesus come into your heart, humble yourself before the king of the royal kingdom of Jacob to have mercy on you and to forgive you of your transgression and become a ready and willing servant to walk in the light of truth found in God's laws that restore the blessings of domestic tranquility, health, prosperity, and life. The God of Jacob called unto Moses, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and I quote, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests, and an holy nation. End quote. The marriage proposal had been made, and all the people said, I do. 
This is why it matters who God's people, His chosen, are. This is why the messages from this ministry are absolutely necessary for His people to hear, to choose life. This is what's wrong with America, and indeed with God's children in every nation where they dwell on the face of this earth. They have disregarded the covenant agreement of God, have disregarded the divine laws of God, the constitution, if you will, of the God of Jacob. There is not a single piece of archaeological evidence or any finding of ancient writing that can refute the indelible experience the house of Jacob witnessed by the hand of God. For generations this experience was never denied as this kingdom nation governed themselves under a perfect law and an administrative system the other people of the world have never since before witnessed. This is truly that with which we wrestle. It is not the flesh and blood, but the principalities of life and death and good and evil. This truth of his kingdom lays to rest the host of diversified opinions of the pseudo-intellects, the hypothesis of his kingdom. The God of Jacob made his covenant agreement with the house of Jacob, established them as his kingdom upon earth. Matthew 10.6 it is they, Christ, instructed the apostles to go to at Matthew 10:6, professing that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is these people, Christ said at Matthew 13:37 to 38, are the good seed, the children of the kingdom. America has ceased to be good and is ceasing to be great. Thanks again to Pastor Peters for his fight of faith and this opportunity to minister with words under the children of the new covenant as Hebrews 8.8 8 informed us of. This is Doug Nelson, trusting you will hear these words one day. Well done, thou good and faithful servant.